anyway, um, I just want to just go over a few things of what we have looked at, and this will be very briefly. Get it real quick. But let's just sum this up. These, these truly, amazingly, exceedingly blessings, promises, these descriptions of what has uh, happened to us, what God has done for us in the first 12 verses, because it's going to shift a little bit in verse 13, but not really. <laughs> but uh, you get in verse 1, since God has chosen you. In verse 3, since God has caused you to be born again to a living hope. Verse 4, since God is keeping an inheritance for you that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Verse 5, God is protecting you through faith right now so that you won't lose that inheritance. And God is refining your faith in verses 6 and 7 so that you um, will receive praise and glory and honor uh, at the coming of the Lord. And since you're swimming with the strokes of what? Love and faith and joy in this world right now in Christ. You have that. Inexpressible joy. And then, since the prophets and the angels and the apostles and the Holy Spirit has all been involved in all of this, <laughs> this great salvation, now you think of that, the sovereign initiative taking the action of God, and we have not seen a single command or exhortation in the first 12 verses, and we'll run into it in verse 13, and John Calvin says, is so elevated was the kingdom of Christ, which is what we've just been looking at, those little points that we just talked about, to which the gospel calls us that even angels desire to see it. What then ought to be done by us who are in the world right now? Because of how great this is, what He has done, and He has initiated all this in His sovereign action, and Matthew Henry says we have such a journey to go, a race to run, a warfare to fight, and a great work to do. So that's, that's what we do. While we're waiting on Him with this great hope, uh, and remember it, uh, it, we earlier talked about hope, and uh, we've been talking about grace all along, because verse 10 talked about prophesied of the grace. That's going to be that word again that we're going to be emphasizing, hope and grace tonight. That's just the way that it falls here. I don't want to be too encouraging to you guys here, but that's just what we're going to have to do. <laughs> you like to be encouraged? Well, here it is. This is just fantastic. So, um, this new birth, uh, and he's going to tell us to hope in grace uh, as we see this definite shift in the way that Peter's thinking here. Up to this point, all the verbs have been uh, indicative. Uh, and what we mean by that, they're just stating a fact. Here's where you are at. No commands. But now we will have an imperative, which means a, a command or commands. The facts have been stated. Now are here the commands. Salvation has been described. And we see what He's done. We have, we have a duty. We have an obligation. And uh, we'll get to that obligation in, in a moment. Let's pray. Father, what a glorious God You are. And as we review uh, in those first 12 verses what You have done for us 
and what you are continuing to do right now and what you will do is way beyond and exceeds any kind of human thought that can grasp it fully. But just to get a a little bit here on earth and to know a little bit more and more about what all that means is to give you glory. And as we sit here tonight looking at your word, may you just be speaking to each one of us and how we can better give you glory. Thank you. We are people of gratitude because we have been graced so much and that grace will continue to come. Thank you for the hope, the faith, the love that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're all about glorifying God, right? Well, that's what this is about again. And every every section that we're dealing with is going to do that, of course. The main word and the main verb that we're going to be dealing with tonight is a four-letter word called hope. Hope. Let's read that, starting in verse 13. Therefore... And remember, what's the therefore, therefore? We've just finished the section showing our great position. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also... In all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We're only going to do to verse 16, because I want you to know, Missouri Tigers are playing tonight, and we've got to get out of here. <laughs> Just joking. They <laughs> would like that, right? <laughs> Go ahead. That makes it even, you even got a caller order with that in mind, because Sherry told me, I told her how good your blessings were. She wants to be a full-fledged theologian by the end of this class. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to uh, get to a point where I can even understand any kind of this theology, but I'll tell you what. This is loaded. And the doctrine here is incredible. It really is. It is fantastic. So, <laughs> you're putting the pressure on me here. Huh? No, glad, glad to have Sherry. I think everybody has met Sherry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, man, it is. Uh, we're we're graced to have you. Have, have you both here tonight with us? It really are. Okay. Uh, so we have to pick this up in the middle of the verse, and then we'll come back to the first part of it. We already get the idea of therefore. In the middle of this is a verb. And you'll say, well, the verb starts off with prepare your minds and keep sober in spirit. Well, actually, the main verb is this. Fix your hope completely on the grace. And I didn't make that up. That's just the way it's set up in the Greek tense. That's the way God intended it to have. And I hope within the maybe the first ten minutes here we'll get the gist of this. Whenever I first read it, I go, huh? Because usually I'm, I'm thinking, I was thinking, okay, prepare your minds, and if you prepare your minds, then you'll keep sober in your spirit, then you'll get your hope completely on the grace. Well, as we focus on this, as I, and that is true, but as, as I heard Piper present it, I go, yeah, that's, that's right. And then I saw other people say, yeah, the main verb is hope. Uh, 
on the grace. So, we talked about grace last week. Well, here it is again. You can't escape it. Of course, we saw all through First Peter how many times grace keeps popping up. It's all over the place. It's everywhere. In all, in all parts of our lives. And we notice that um, we uh, are continuing to live by that. Now, here's what's interesting. The first command of this letter, it's an imperative. If you remember your grammar, if you don't remember, that's okay. An imperative is a command. It's a, and it's almost like a direct military command. Fix your hope. So the way that the tense is set up and the way that is, it's a command for duty. To, to go to action. The, the first command in this letter is an action. And you say, action. Okay, and you have your mind and your heart involved. You know what the command is to do after we've had all these 12 verses? Now catch this. The command is saying, okay, we've got to get up and we've got to start worshiping and witnessing and, and serving people and everything. You know what he says? And here's the action. Hope. That, that's where it starts. After we've had 12 verses, he says, now all of this that we've already done, I want you to have hope in what's coming. Okay? Hope is the main verb. It's an experience of the soul here. And Peter is commanding us to experience hope. You have it, experience it. Realize where you where you've been, you know, the twelve verses, and, and where this is going to go. So it's the main verb, it's the main clause. Fix your hope completely on the grace, and I'm going to keep really stabbing that. I'm going to keep hitting this really hard because this will, I think, bring fruition to it. God has a command, but His command is delightful to Him. He delights in us hoping in Him. This is how He really gets glory, is whenever we're hoping. And the kind of hope that we're talking about, you guys already know, right? It's not, I hope so, but it's such a definite hope. We know so. I mean, you know, you, you have a vacation plan and this is where you're going to go. Well, you, you, you're, you have a hope in that. That's, you know, I mean, it's unless something happens, Lord willing. Well, we know what the Lord's will is. It, this will happen. But this hope is, and I'll define that a little bit more, but uh, His delight is not at first what we will perform. Even after we've seen all the 12 verses, okay, now we've got to do something. We, we have to please Him now. And, and yes, we do, but... He's not looking for performance to start off with. He's just saying hope. That's our action. Hope. (laughs) That's a guarantee. Um, So it's not first what you can perform for Him with your strength. What you have here is His command and His delight is that first you put your hope in what He can perform for you with His strength. Are you starting to catch this? You would think, well, there's, there's a work that we have to do here. And as Christians, we are to do good works. We've had those good works prepared beforehand. But the good work here starts with hoping. And all the other stuff will follow along with that. But that's really hard. To, to, to hope. That hope that you're talking about, that's really hard. And, and then the next question is, well, yeah, how do we do it, right? So, that, yeah, because things can come along that can destroy our hope. But this is why he's telling us completely, hope completely on the grace. 
So it's not get busy, even though we will do that, but it's hope in His strength. Yeah, that's, that's the way that this is kind of set up. So the first human counterpart to God's divine grace here is what? It's hope. Okay, He's done all this. Sure, I, I want to do something. Grace is coming to you. Hope in it. You already have grace. We've seen that. But grace and more grace and more grace and more grace is coming to you. Hope in it. Are, are, are we kind of getting this through here? Is, it, is this helping? We're gonna we're gonna explain that. We're gonna to try to we're gonna to try to to get maybe a little handle on that. Okay. Um, and, and I'll do it right now. I, and I think First uh, Corinthians thirteen thirteen. What is it? Faith, hope, and love. Hope will remain right on in through eternity as as a gift. That's a very good word. Anticipating. Anticipating. I, and I like to even think as we wait for that glorification of our bodies and such like Romans 8, anticipating like we're waiting for that on our tiptoes, stretched out with our, with our head going forward, just peering, looking, you know, that, that kind of anticipation and, and knowing. Uh, that's a very good word. Matter of fact, that was one of the words that I'd gotten out of a, a dictionary, a Greek dictionary for that word. Hope is very similar to faith. Uh, they, they're different, but yet they're so close to each other. And they are close. Hope is the Christian's attitude, the Christian's attitude toward the future, to what God has done and is done. If we remember those 12 verses, it can sure go a long way with our hope. Uh, hope faith is believing God in the present. See if this helps, Barb. Believe, we're believing God right now. Okay, We believed Him in the past. We are believing Him right now. It's, that's trusting. We're believing in Him. You can take hope and, and put it like this if it, if it kind of helps. It's, it's still believing. It's, and there's where your faith comes in. But it's believing God for the future. Trusting God or believing God for the future. Uh, uh, and so you see how faith and hope are very much linked. And hope is dealing with the fact of this grace that's going to be brought to us when Christ comes back. So there's a future. Let me, let me put it another way. Faith believes what God has said and what He has done. What He's going to do. But hope believes what God has promised that's yet to do. There's still things on the agenda. And so we have this great kind of hope there. Um, put it this way. Both aspects, faith and hope, are trusting God. You know, we, we, we know without a doubt we have objective truth here. And it, it uh, applies to us subjectively too then. To put it another way, let's say faith accepts what is going on right now in my own life. I'm trusting in God. All right? I accept whatever's going on. Hope can expect or anticipate believing that God will make this come through. Faith appropriates right right now. Uh, hope will anticipate. 
faith believes God for what He has done. Hope believes God for what He will do. They are so related. Very close. Do you know why the English translation doesn't put hope in the beginning? Or is it because that's just the order it is in the Greek? I mean... Yeah, I... I actually looked at a Greek translation. I only looked at one of the Greek translations. And they had it pretty well set up the way our uh, English translations have here. Therefore, prepare your minds. But the structure and the way that it's reading, the emphasis is still put on this main verb, which is right in the middle of my verse. So it's just the difference in the language that they can't really translate it over into ours. I mean, is that if they, if they put hope at the beginning, they'd be messing up the. Yeah, and, and then I have to wonder. I wonder if it would read a little bit easier. Uh, I don't. I don't see any other translations, but like, therefore, fix your hope completely on the grace, which will prepare your minds for action, and keeping sober in the spirit. I was just wondering, because in the English, there's no way to tell. Well, I didn't either because I never, I don't remember really going into the structure of that sentence. And you know, to me, it's like, okay, well, this just makes sense after it's fallen. This, of course, this is like, anything. and it is. You know, there's something here's here's now what we do. Therefore, but the doing really is hoping. And then what do we do? And we'll get to that the the subordinate participle. Um, Getting into grammar tonight, and I know I, I don't want to bore you, but we'll come out of that and then we'll wrap this thing together, and I think it will give you a lot of joy. I think you're probably already catching it. Because he's not, you know, right off the bat, he's like, okay, now, you know, start doing things. Well, if we have that hope in the grace, we're hoping in more grace. And we know it's going to come, even more than we've ever experienced. It's just going to get better. We're going to be able to understand it better in a glorified sense. You know, I said earlier that God delights in people hoping in Him. This is how He gets great glory. You want to glorify God? One of the best ways is right here. To hope. To have that hope that you know that's for real. I mean, you have, without a doubt, um, go to Psalm 147, 10 and 11. Now, my translation is probably not going to emphasize it as much. It's okay. It's actually really great, but I'm trying to use the word hope, and I, I don't necessarily have that word in here. But it has the same meaning. Verse 11, The Lord favors... By the way, that's a good word to go along with favor is really graces. God graces or favors those who fear Him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, knowledge, or, uh, beginning of, of wisdom, right? Um, those who wait or hope... That's in some translations. What, what do you guys have? Do you have hope? Very good. They hope in His... Loving kindness. Hope in steadfast love. Steadfast love. Unfailing love. What what is what word do you have? Wait or hope? 
So you have hope. They hope in His loving kindness or unfailing love. That means it, it's never based upon our failures or uh, you know whether His love goes up and down. Uh, we've done real good today, so God loves us uh, a lot better today than than He did yesterday. You know. Have so many of us grew up oh, I know it. It's just mind-boggling. I mean, I believe it, but it's just so mind-boggling to believe it. No matter how badly I mess up, God loves me. You know. See, that's the nature of man, and that's the way we people naturally act. If somebody is not doing good, and you know, if we don't have a real love for them, we we might like them or have a little bit of love one day and maybe a little bit more the next day because their performance was a lot better. You know, they really let us down. You know, so We can kind of go up and down on our feelings, but His loving kindness is always, it's not any more or less. It's always perfect. It's, it's, you know, it's God's kind of love, God's kind of grace. And we, he, what does it say? Dealing with waiting or hoping in that loving kindness or that grace. Now, God... What's that? There's a phrase that comes to mind from an old Catholic thing that we say out loud about waiting for hope. You remember that? You're, you're farther away from it than I am. <laughs> Sounds right. I think that waiting for hope just kind of sums up I like it. So God delights when we're just um, anticipating, expecting, trusting, believing for what He's going to do. He's really glorified. I mean, He's delighting in that. Now, now we get to the participles. And the first one is prepare your minds. Peter doesn't leave the command to hope dangling. And as Penny was saying right there, this is this is hard to do because we can get our hope off of that. We can get we can bog down in the race and you know sit down. You know, we we want to keep our eyes on Christ, right? Uh, but but Peter just doesn't leave us. You ever heard of a dangling participle? <laughs> We're not going to dangle here because he's going to tell us two ways, and you already read them, to stir up that hope. You can say, yeah, I, I, sometimes I just don't feel like I have that hope that I, I know I should have. And he says, okay, here's what you do. Prepare your minds. Or the the old King James, or many of us are familiar with, what? Gird up the loins. And <laughs> that's why he's got a note. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, and, and of course, these subordinate participles, don't you like that? Don't you like that grammar there? Telling us how to get on with the hoping. Okay? As Penny was saying back there. Yeah. Now, they're not the main commands here. Remember that. Remember what the main command is. It's hope. But they are secondary commands. And they get their imperative status from the main command. Hope. That's why it's so important to get that down. Hope fully in grace. Now, Matthew Henry went on to say, as, as he was talking about, we're travelers and we're runners and we're warriors and we're laborers. 
we're on this journey, right? We're the travelers. We are the ones that are in the race. We're the runners. We're, we're fighting. We're the warriors. And we're the laborers. Gird up your loins. Or, what? Fasten your seatbelts. Prepare your minds. Men in that day wore long outer robes, right? And if you were having to do some kind of work, or somebody really got upset at you and they're come running after you, and you you got to take off running. <laughs> you better do something with that rope, or you're going to be falling down. You know, it's it's going to be flying all over the place and everything. You got to tuck it in, right? Pre- prepare uh, this. You know, if you if you work, uh, if you're fighting, if you're running, all of that. Make sure that you do something. Tuck those robes that that are you know into the belt. Because you don't want a hindrance. You don't want anything that's bothering you. Uh, Peter, yeah. he was going after the boat through all these roads. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. He didn't want anything to get in his way, did he? That's pretty good. And that's Peter that wrote this. <laughs> yeah, he didn't want any hindrances. I mean, he, you know, really. Uh, you know. So, yeah. Uh, roll up your sleeves. Get to work. Let's get ready. Let's do it. Uh, it's talking about being mentally prepared for combat or action. We're, we're entering the realm of holiness here. Um, it, it, I think one commentator, a uh, guy by the name of Alan Stibbs, he wrote a, one on Peter. And he says, those are the ones who are going to act. These are the ones who mean business. Prepare your minds. Hope. As you're hoping, prepare minds. Uh, think of a Roman soldier. Um, you're you're in war. You want to tie up these into your belt. What does that mean in a real life situation? What do we do here? Well, we know that girding the mind or preparing the minds here is a means to hoping fully in grace. It's a means to how we hope in grace. Going back from the other way there, when you look at it that way. What is the mind to be doing so actively that it produces hope? Truth. Uh, you can see this in Ephesians 6, where it says, gird up the loins there. Um, and it talks about one of the, uh, what's the first piece? What's the, of, of the armor? The belt of truth? You take that belt of truth, tuck everything in, you want to make sure you have right doctrine. You have wrong doctrine, you're going to have wrong living that's going to result out of it. You have right doctrine, and if you're truly... Just because you have right doctrine it's not going to necessarily mean you're going to have right living, but if you have right doctrine and you're committed to that doctrine, then you will live that out if you're really committed to that, not just a, a head knowledge. Hope uh, will happen when our minds are girded up with truth. Um, whenever we see the reality of it all, act of truth, engaging the mind with the truth of the Word of God, especially the truth about it right here, about what? Grace. Completely on the grace. Have you been learning about what grace is? It's all throughout. You can't miss it. It's all through the Bible. It's there everywhere. Work with the truth. Cook with the truth. (laughs) Put your clothes on with the truth. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, 
Truth. Truth is all around. Right? Be thinking about that. Um, live with the truth of Scripture. In Romans 15.4 it says, Whatever was written in former times was written for our instruction. Now I always got that part and I kind of forgot the rest of it. That by the steadfastness and encouragement of the Scriptures we might have what? Hope. I never really thought about that much lately. I know about that. All that was written beforehand for us. But it's talking about encouragement and commitment uh, or, or steadfastness so that we would have hope. That's a key word. You know, you just don't get a lot of books on the topic of hope. And yet, it's one of the three gifts. Now, there are a lot of books dealing with love. You know, agape, the godly love. And faith. Actually, most of the books today are self-help books. But, <laughs> but really, but, but hope you don't see a lot about. But, of course, it's really kind of involved with, with the faith. But we see a little bit of nuance here, a little bit different. Uh, now, about that girding up the loins. We, we talked about... Spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6.14. Do you remember way back in Exodus? At the Passover? And it's in Exodus 12 where they were, the uh, Israelites were to get ready for God was going to lead them out of Egypt and He was going to do it very quickly. And uh, He wanted them to gird up their loins, uh, get themselves prepared in Exodus 12.11, it says, Now you shall eat it in this manner. It's talking about the Passover lamb. You're going to have this lamb. You're not even going to sit down. You're going to stand up. You're going to have the staff there. You're going to be ready with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet. You can't even take them off. You know, that's the first thing you do when you come to the house, right? You throw those things off and get comfortable. And your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. They were ready for the Lord to take them on. That was going to be a deliverance there. Well, we have a final deliverance coming and we're to be ready. We prepare our minds. Gird our loins of the mind. Prepare the mind. Don't let anything entangle your mind. Uh, Disentangle anything that's there. Reminds me of Hebrews 12. 1 and 2, doesn't it? So our minds are entangled by the passing cares of the world, aren't they? The point is holiness, which is where we're getting at here tonight after this. It begins in our thought life. How we think is how we're going to be holy. We can't be holy if we're not thinking right, if we're not thinking truth. Uh, Deal with sin on the thought level. Judge those wicked thoughts that we have and Be instantaneous with them. Don't let your thoughts, your purposes, decisions just kind of hang out there, you know, like flapping in the wind like those robes. You know. Get it all tied down. Make a decisive life commitment to live in the reality of this grace that is to come. If we vacillate, then our hope vacillates. There's no solidarity in our hope. And we're tossed about by every wind and doctrine. To and fro, up and down, in and out, just everywhere. But if we bound with truth, truth,
truth that is right here, then that gets us honed in on the hope. So does that is that where we were going with that penny when you were talking about that? That's how we get that back. It's hard. What do we do? Start thinking on the truth, right? Go to truth. Well, like Sheldon said, you really want to see how easy it is to get your hope shattered. Watch the watch the Yeah, we're trying to take guns away now. Thinking, yeah, he does, doesn't he? Is that hope? Oh, is that hope? And people look at us like we have two heads. I know this poor soul. I've talked to you before about this poor soul in my uh, housing unit. This officer, he just gets so shattered by these things. So shattered, he does not understand it. Yeah. And I keep telling him, God is sovereign. It's not a, it's not an accident. There was, you know, whatever happened here, it really is all good. That's, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I was, I actually watched John Piper's final message, um, which was December 30th, at Bethlehem Church. He'll probably have a few more messages there, but anyway, that's exactly what he's talking about. He's saying. During and he was talking about rejoicing always, and again I say rejoice, and then saying, okay, when all these other things, which seem to contradict the rejoicing, and you see both happening with Paul, you know, and and he took that and he showed how those kind of things that come up against us speaks volumes, and we've been talking about it in Titus speaks volumes to the lost world or people that don't understand what's going around because we're staying steadfast even though we might be beat to death through all the different things that are thrown at us and all this can be suffering physically or whatever and yet we're still counting on them. Now that's basic faith 101 but that's really where the Christian makes a dent in the people around them. That does mean a lot. And Peter is getting at that. We get that in Titus. We get Paul talks about it all the time. It's all throughout Scripture, isn't it? It's always there. But how often we forget. Fix our minds. Go back to the truth. Go back to the promises. You want to? You can say, well, I forget where the promises are at. Well, you can go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 verses. <laughs> you can start with there. They're all over the place. That's a good place to start, isn't it? If you, if you, if you can say, well, I can't remember any right now. Well, go back. Oh, yeah, we were chosen. Uh, it was all to His foreknowledge. And He gave us grace. And He gave us mercy. And He caused us to be born again. He has an inheritance for us. And He's keeping that inheritance. And He's keeping us here while we're here. And He's testing us so that we will get praising... Uh, you get the picture? Okay. 
Now, what's the next one? The, the next subordinate participle. <laughs> Keep sober in spirit. The, the in spirit there is uh, added on in, in the Greek um, to make that come out. In, I, mean, I, I mean, in the English here to make that a little more explanatory, but keep sober. Nepo, uh, it means to not be drunk. Not to be intoxicated. Let's take it spiritually. And that's why I'd say keep sober in spirit because people would say, well, it's talking about drunkenness or don't be drinking, you know, going out and get drunk. Well, yeah, that, but we're talking about a mental, <laughs> spiritual sobriety here. Um, he, he tells um, bishops, in Titus or Timothy, uh, the older men, the older women, the younger men, the younger women. He uses the, that same word over and over. Um, and and First Peter four seven, he will use that word again. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Chapter five verse eight. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. While you're here, keep sober. If you really want to obey the command to hope fully in God's grace, if you want to obey that hoping thing, yeah, control your emotions. Don't let your mind drink in things that will numb your thinking because drunkenness will make you numb in your thoughts. And it will not value, uh, and going back to the spiritual aspect, it will not value God's grace. Hope in grace. The great problem with drunkenness is that it distorts reality. Distorts the mind. You're insensitive to what is true, to what is valuable. The point is, know what numbs your mind. Know what worldly things that numb you. Stay sober for the sake of full hope. Yes. Uh, another passage that has helped me several times in talking about this kind of thing. Uh, I mean, God gives us these wonderful promises that He's in control and, and, and the grace and so forth. But He's also given this instruction, Psalm 131. Uh, David, the song of David, the Lord of my heart is not cut off. For my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul, that the weaned child rests against his mother, and my soul is like hmm. a weaned child within me, for Israel hope for the Lord from this time forth and forever. There's so much that it's not our concern. You know, we just trust in Him. Right. Thank you, Dwayne. O Israel, hope in the Lord. Yeah. And if, if we're thinking on his kind of things, having a pure heart and trying to get truth, pure truth and living to that truth, then now we don't have that haughty mind. You know, he's 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 doing a work on us. That word of God comes in with the spirit of God, yeah. And it, so it, the the control comes in. There's our sobriety there. Yeah. That's a good verse. Passionate hope. Having a passionate hope in God's grace. Can't emphasize it enough. Well, how about the main predicate? You know what the main predicate is? We are diagramming a sentence. I want you to know that I really do not like to study grammar either. But 
it's real. I like word studies, though. And when you start putting words together, then see, God is the one who put the words together. So it is a treat to go into Greek word studies and such. You don't have to emphasize it. Everybody, yeah, you have to. I don't usually break this down like this. But in this sentence, in this verse, it's so important. Main predicate is what? Completely. We've been focusing on fix your hope and preparing your mind, keeping sober. Fix your hope completely. Hope completely. The proper response to grace is first what? Hope. What makes it grace is that its first command is hope. Hope fully. It makes it grace because it's His work, but we are to hope fully. Let your whole soul be engaged in hope. Don't be partially hoping. Don't be partially doubting. What does He say? Hope fully. Give way entirely to the experience of hope. Are you experiencing hope? Be fully carried away (laughs) with hope. Let's grace. Let grace get all the glory. Because when you have that hope, glory of God. Grace is glorified in that sense. If you hold back hope from grace, then you know what you're really doing? You're holding back glory from God. Because we're not trusting Him quite as much. Glut yourself on hope. Be a glutton on hope. You can overdo it. <laughs> Just get all the hope that you can. You know, right? Glut on it. Show the world that grace is all sufficient. It's all satisfying. It will meet every need. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul says. It will meet every need. Now, the object of hope is what? As we break this sentence down, the object of hope is what? Fix your hope completely on the grace. Not on the event. Not even on heaven. So wait, wait, wait a minute. Not on the reward. Not on your perfection, your glorification. And that's all great. That's groovy. But on the grace. Yeah. <laughs> Came from one of those. Yeah, that's a danger. Yeah. <laughs> when you initially, when you first came to faith, dare I say it was all God's grace? I think Spurgeon has a book called All of Grace. <laughs> all of Grace. Okay. All of God's grace. You want to know something else? In the day that Christ comes back and He glorifies us, puts us into the kingdom, heaven, glorification, perfection, eternal life, all the great stuff that goes with that and all the gold and everything. I mean, His presence is what everything is about, right? Uh, and that's it, grace and His presence. Uh, hey, they just go together. Just like that first time it was grace, well, it's going to be all of grace as we enter on into that state. All grace. Sometimes I think could we for a moment think that Christ would come so He can give us what we rightly deserve and we've earned in our spiritual lives and how well we've performed? We'll never really change the old rugged cross for a crown. We'll always cross. That's where it all goes back. That's where we find the grace. When you see that... Yeah, right. 
Exactly. Yeah. Do we think that maybe our final glory and this inheritance that we've seen is our right? Have we have we earned this? Because we're worthy of it for what He's promising? Not anything more than what it was when He first saved us. There's nothing there we deserved. No, we can tell that every moment. I can tell it every moment every day. Even more than ever, right? It's always hoping in the grace. Always. That's how we live, isn't it? We live. Grace upon grace. Sweetest, richest, most wonderful thing there is for a person to ever experience. God's grace. We don't look to the personal glory, although that will certainly come, but we look to the grace. That's the sweetest part of all. That unmitigated grace forever and ever. Now, we, we have grace first and then we have hope. God first graciously, freely acts to what? To save these people. And then, secondly, man is second in his hope in that grace. Past, present, future. That's the, that's the essence of Christianity. It's God first. Here's His action. Here's our hope. Not so much about what hope does to the believer either. It's about... God's worth. We can say that hope gives me a sense of feeling, and it is nice to have that, you know. The, but He's not calling us to hope because of what it even does for us. He's calling us to hope because it glorifies God. When you trust God for the future, you know what that affirms. Do you really trust? Him? When when you do something for somebody. And they don't know about that, but they go, okay. And you say, you've got to trust me. Please, just, just trust me. I know, I know what I'm doing here. Just trust me. And they go, okay. You know, and they, they go ahead and do it anyway. Or you say, okay. But whenever they say, hey, I've seen you do that before. Uh, hey, whatever, it is, whatever you're going to do, I don't understand it, but I'll tell you what, I'm trusting in... I, I'm, just let it go, man. I, right? God is faithful in the past. God is faithful in the present. He's never let any one of us down ever, and He will do it in the future. We ought to be able to live in hope and the fruition will, will happen in the future. Calvin, uh, John Calvin said, you have no need to make a long journey that you may attain the grace of God, for God brings it to you. The fruit of it, the ultimate fruit, will not be until Christ appears. I mean, we have, there's fruit now and such, but the, the absolute fruition, coming to total fruition, is whenever it says here, the grace to be brought to you at the apocalypse, the apocalypse, or the revelation of Jesus Christ when He comes back. That's when it fully will happen. Abraham had this kind of hope, a hope against hope. Remember that? Romans 4? Uh, 
you know, his age, you know, Sarah's age. And this is not possible humanly. But Abraham believed God. He had a, a hope against hope. Grace is revealed at the apocalypse. Is being brought. That means it's so certain that it will come to pass. I'm more certain in Him coming back than I am in whatever's going to happen tomorrow or whenever I get home tonight in an hour. I plan on turning on and watching the second half. <laughs> right, Eldon? <laughs> you know we joke. Or am I really? Okay. It's all Him. This grace, that's Him. We are called by the Lord to the privilege and honor of being adopted into His family. And you know what? We did one verse tonight because the next part coming up is... um, We're not going to be able to cover that. That's a message. That's a lesson in itself. 14 and 15 and 16. We did one verse... Um, But I want you to know, because when you have this hope, here's where all this comes in. Here's your sanctification part. And and he says, as obedient children. You already are obedient children. That's now your nature. And you say, yeah, but I disobey Him and I sin. Yeah, but your new nature. You have a new nature. And you now are from the Father who adopted you and you're in that family and you are obedient. That is now your nature. And because of that... You don't want to be conformed to those former lusts. You start cutting these things off. And, and so he goes into that. And you be holy, for the Lord is holy. You know, and this is where the part comes in. Because we have His grace, we have the strength of the Holy Spirit, now we can do those things that we know that is right. Because the power comes from Him. And once we're established by this thought of grace, this hope of completely hoping on that grace, then other things just start developing and we grow more and more in Christ by the Holy Spirit because of His truth. We get the whole Trinity involved in the next few verses. Anyway, sorry we didn't get to go any further, but I definitely wanted to get that one idea of fully hoping in grace. And that's how we live. 